Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, or Mid-East Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Today, I want to look at Saudi sports diplomacy that is proving to be a mirror image of the kingdom's challenged domestic, regional, and foreign policies. Overlorded by sports star Turkey al-Sheikh, Saudi sports diplomacy, like the kingdom's broader policies, has produced at best mixed results, suggesting that financial muscle, coupled with varying degrees of coercion, does not guarantee success. Mr. al-Sheikh, a 37-year-old brash and often blunt former honorary president of Saudi soccer club Al-Ta'awoun, based in Bureda, a stronghold of religious ultra-conservatism, and a former bodyguard of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, is together with Saud al-Kahtani, among the king-in-waiting's closest associates. Prince al-Walid bin Talal, one of the kingdom's wealthiest investors, acknowledged Mr. al-Sheikh's ranking in the Saudi hierarchy when he made a donation of more than a half a million dollars to Saudi soccer club Al-Hilal, weeks after having been released from detention. Prince Al-Walid was one of the more recalcitrant detainees among the scores of members of the ruling family, prominent businessmen and senior officials who were detained a year ago in Riyadh's Ritz-Carlton Hotel as part of Prince Mohammed's power and asset grab. Prince Al-Walid said on Twitter at the time that he was responding to the invitation of my brother, Turki al-Sheikh. Mr. Al-Kahtani, who was recently fired as Prince Mohammed's menacing information czar in connection with the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, was banned this week from traveling outside the kingdom. Mr. Al-Sheikh has not been linked to the Khashoggi murder. Nevertheless, his sports diplomacy, exhibiting some of the brashness that has characterized Prince Mohammed, as well as Mr. Al-Kahtani's approach, has largely failed to achieve its goals. If anything, it appears to have contributed to the kingdom's growing list of setbacks. Those goals included establishing Saudi Arabia as a powerhouse in regional and global soccer governance, countering Qatari's sports diplomacy, crowned by its hosting of the 2022 World Cup, projecting the kingdom in a more favorable light by hosting international sporting events, becoming a powerhouse in soccer-crazy Egypt, the Arab world's most populous nation, and using the competition for the 2026 World Cup hosting rights to bully Morocco into supporting the Saudi United Arab Emirates-led boycott of Qatar. To be sure, with the exception of a canceled tennis exhibition match in Jeddah between stars Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic, most scheduled sporting events, including this season's opening Formula E race in December and the Italian Supercoppa between Juventus and AC Milan in January, are going ahead as planned despite a six-week-old crisis sparked by the killing of Mr. Khashoggi. Yet, if last month's friendly soccer match in Jeddah between Brazil and Argentina, and this month's World Wrestling Entertainment's 
crown jewel showpiece or anything to go by, major sporting events are doing little to polish the kingdom's image, tarnished not only by the Khashoggi killing, but also the war in Yemen that has sparked the world's worst humanitarian crisis since World War II. The sports events have so far failed to push Mr. Khashoggi and Yemen out of the headlines of major independent media. Mainstream media coverage of Saudi sports has moreover focused primarily on the Saudi sports diplomacy's struggle to make its mark internationally. One focus has been the fact that Gianni Infantino, president of world soccer body FIFA, has run into opposition from the group's European affiliate, UEFA, to his plan to endorse a $25 billion proposal for a new club tournament funded by the Saudi and UAE-backed Japanese conglomerate SoftBank. If adopted, the plan would enhance Saudi and Emirati influence in global soccer governance, to the potential detriment of Qatar, the host of the 2022 World Cup. Saudi Arabia and the UAE spearhead a 17-month-old economic and diplomatic boycott of Qatar, designed to force it to surrender its rights to chart an independent course, rather than align its policies with those of its Gulf brothers. Saudi Arabia and the UAE have sought to engineer a situation in which Qatar is either deprived of its hosting rights or forced to share them with other states in the region, a possibility Mr. Infantino has said he was exploring. Mr. Infantino has also said he was looking into implementing the expansion of the World Cup from 32 to 48 teams already in 2022, rather than only in 2026. An expansion of the Guthrie World Cup would probably involve including others in the region as hosts of the tournament. Guthrie officials have all but ruled out sharing their hosting rights. Another media focus has been alleged Saudi piracy aimed at undermining Qatar-owned BN Corp, the world's biggest sports rights holder, including the rights to broadcast last summer's Russia World Cup in the, in the Arab world. Mr. Al-Qahtani reportedly played a key role in the sudden emergence of BLQ, a bootleg operation beamed from Riyadh-based Arabsat that ripped live events from BN's feed and broadcast the games without paying for rights. The Saudi government has denied any relationship to the private network. The piracy has sparked international lawsuits, including international arbitration, in which BN is seeking $1 billion in damages from Saudi Arabia. The company has also filed a case with the World Trade Organization. FIFA has said, it has taken steps to prepare for legal action in Saudi Arabia and is working alongside other sports rights owners that have been affected to protect their interests. Mr. Al-Sheikh's effort to create with funds widely believed to have been provided by Prince Mohammed an international Saudi sports portfolio that would project the kingdom as a regional power breaker, broker collapsed with fans, players, and club executives in Egypt furious at the Saudi officials buying influence and using it to benefit Saudi rather than Egyptian clubs. No one, no one at all, with all due respect to Turkey or no Turkey, 
will be allowed to interfere in the club's affairs, said Mahmoud Al-Khateb, chairman of Egyptian club Al-Akhli, one of the Middle East's most popular clubs with an estimated 50 million fans. Mr. Al-Sheikh had unsuccessfully tried to use his recently acquired honorary chairmanship of Al-Akhli to take control of the club. Al-Akhli's rejection of his power grab persuaded Mr. Al-Sheikh to resign in May and instead bankroll Al-Akhli rival Pyramid. He invested $33 million to acquire three top Brazilian players and launch a sports channel dedicated to the team. The club's fans, like their Al-Akhli counterparts, nonetheless denounced Mr. Al-Sheikh and the kingdom and insulted the Saudi official's mother in crass terms during chanting at a match in September. Mr. Al-Sheikh decided to abandon his Egyptian adventure after President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi ignored his request to intervene. Strange attacks from everywhere and a new story every day. Why the headache, Mr. Al-Sheikh said on Facebook. Mr. Al-Sheikh's attempt to form a regional power base by creating a breakaway group of South Asian and Middle Eastern soccer federations beyond the confines of FIFA and the Asian Football Confederation collapsed five months after the formation of the Southwest Asian Football Federation, or SWAWF, when seven South Asian nations pulled out with immediate effect. The collapse of SWAWF and Mr. Al-Sheikh's withdrawal from Egypt were preceded by his backing of the U.S., Canadian, Mexican bid for the 2026 World Cup against Morocco after he failed to bully the North Africans into supporting the boycott of Qatar. Adopting a Saudi Arabia first approach, Mr. Al-Sheikh noted that the United States is our biggest and strongest ally. He recalled that when the World Cup was played in 1994 in nine American cities, the U.S. was one of our favorites. The fans were numerous, and the Saudi team achieved good results. That was Mr. Al-Sheikh's position six months ago. Today, men like Prince Mohammed and Messrs. Al-Sheikh and Al-Qahtani are seizing. Mr. Trump is proving to be an unreliable ally. Not only is he pressuring the kingdom to come up with a credible explanation for Mr. Khashoggi's killing, Mr. Trump is also seemingly backtracking on his promise to bring Iran to its knees by imposing crippling economic sanctions. Saudi distrust is fueled by the fact that Mr. Trump first asked the kingdom to raise oil production to compensate for lower crude exports from Iran, and then, without informing it, made a 180-degree turn by offering buyers generous waivers that keep Iranian crude in the market instead of drive exports from Riyadh's arch-rival down to zero. Seemingly cut from the same cloth as Prince Mohammed, Mr. Al-Sheikh drew his pro-American definition of Saudi Arabia first from the Crown Princess's focus on the United States. Prince Mohammed, Mr. Al-Sheikh, and other senior Saudi officials may be considering whether putting the kingdom's eggs primarily in one basket remains the best strategy. Whatever the case, Mr. Al-Sheikh's sweep through regional and global sports, has left Saudi leaders with little leverage 
in the kingdom's bid to pick up the pieces and improve its image, tarnished first and foremost by Mr. Khashoggi's killing, but also by the trail the sports star has left behind. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. A written version is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer, at mideastsoccer.blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.